0: You're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's
1: get ready to rumble!
0: Wherever you are, however you're listening, it's America's Talk radio show about opera. It's Opera Box Score. I'm George Cedarquist, joined this week by Weston Williams and Ashley Hardgrave. All right, in this episode, so imagine the best sports contest ever. Mm hmm. Now, imagine that game turned into an opera. In our Sportsando segment, we reveal what we're imagining. Plus, in the two-minute drill, it's ladies' night at the BBC Proms. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. You're going to click follow Apple Podcasts. Hit the plus sign. And, of course, send us a voice memo or email us your hot takes, operaboxscore at gmail.com. You'll get the OBS beer coaster and the OBS lapel pen just for sharing your own hot take one of the beauties of the OBS over the years is all the permutations and combinations of the panel that can Ooh. be on the show and <laughs> not that this is a first a George Weston Ashley isn't a first but it's a very special occasion like it's a curated, curated. it is
1: George. You know, it, it, and the, the best part about it is that because Oliver's not on the panel, we can really just go wild with this one. We can do whatever <laughs> well, uh, we want. Uh, uh, we can uh. just like, we can say, we can pronounce French incorrectly all we want. We can say slightly factually inaccurate things. And we don't have to name more than five handle operas. <laughs> That's on me.
0: Ashley, what is going on with the NY Jets? I,
2: ju- I mean, ugh, I, I had a whole bit about the USFL because I watched a USFL game and my cat was riveted by it and I was going to tell you all about that. And (laughs) then the freaking New York Jets had to go and get Aaron Rodgers today from the freaking Green Bay Packers. We were so close to being rid of Karen Rodgers, but now (laughs) we're going to see at least one more season of him with the Jets. And all I say is, damn it, New York Jets. Damn it.
0: Didn't Brett Favre go down this exact same path?
2: Kind of. Yeah. There was a there was a joke, there was a meme on Twitter today that was like the uh you know, the, the Brett Favre exit award now goes to Aaron Rodgers because <laughs> he's doing basically the same thing.
0: It's 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 gonna end in tears. So rules in college football change every so often. The NCAA approves these minor changes, but this is a biggie. Yet again, the game clock rears its ugly head. So obviously Major League Baseball has been completely changed by this uh new rule. In this coming this season that we're in now. In the coming NCAA football season, the game clock is gonna run after first downs. Oh again, yeah so it will stop when you get inside two minutes at the end of the half and the end of the game. But this will be a major change. So basically it's gonna take time off the games, which is part of the point. But It's also going to homogenize the sport and make it more like the pros. You've heard me say it already on this many shows is that the beauty of college sports and pro sports is that they're asymmetrical and it's all these differences that we like. And so now the NCAA is trying to homogenize Mm. these two ways to play the game of football. Again, (laughs) just like Aaron Rodgers, it's going to end in tears. Let's talk some opera.
2: And now... Where the histories of music and sports collide. Boom. Sportsando. Oh, we here at OBS are trendsetters. So it's no surprise that the Met has brought sports to the stage with its current run of champion. I say to all of you, you're welcome, (laughs) world. You're welcome. We knew sports and opera went together like peas and carrots. So good job, Met, for following in our footsteps. So in the Met Opera Quiz spirit... This is the question I pose to our panel today. What is a true story in the world of sports that you would like to see turned into an opera. Talk to me about your dream composers. They can be from any era, your fantasy casts. This team says challenge accepted. And because I like to run shows, I'm going to begin with one of my picks <laughs> for this. Uh, some of you might be familiar with a, a little sports story called Malice at the Palace. Oh, uh, it is the biggest brawl in NBA history. It was Ooh. a game between the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers. Uh, there's a series on Netflix called Bad Sports And there's actually a, um, there's a, there's an episode that's dedicated to Malice at the Palace. I encourage you to watch it. It's a it's a weirdly fascinating story and it goes really, really in-depth. Uh, but basically, there's a fight that breaks out between Ben Wallace and, uh, at the time his name was Ron Artest. Now he goes by Metal World Peace. Uh, and then at, at some point, a random fan gets into it because he throws a cup at one of them and then it comes into a total melee and it, a lot of things happen. So it was literally, they call it the Malice at the Palace. Uh, so what I would like to see, this is my casting for this story, I want I want to see Ben Wallace played by Solomon Howard. I want to see Ron Artest Meta World Peace played by Morris Robinson. see famed indiana pacers player reggie miller played by ryan speedo green and i want to see john green the guy that threw the cup played by paul groves <laughs> and that is my dream casting for Malice <laughs> at the palace
0: of course this is happening at the palace of auburn hills just outside of detroit ron artest he was the villain here just as the pistons fan that i am ron artest <laughs> is the villain morris robinson that's genius casting
2: Watch the, uh, watch the docuseries and then talk to me. There's, there's some, there's some layers, layers in that story. There's some layers in that that, story. That's what
1: makes a good opera, layers, right? You know, you have like the, sometimes the music is telling a slightly different story than maybe what you're seeing on, on the TV at home there.
2: The one thing that I do imagine, though, is that like there's we're mid melee. You know, we're telling the story just as it is, and then everybody freezes. All of the supernumeraries in really uncomfortable positions. There's just a full freeze, and then Meta World Peace goes on a full base soliloquy about like his <laughs> role in the game, whether or not he's been a good role model. I think it would be absolutely incredible.
1: Mm, mm, yeah, that's a good pitch, huh? Like in a like in a baseball game, a like in sport, sports. But
2: I appreciate like your in, participation. Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: doing my best here. I have a. <laughs> suggestion from Oliver here. He's actually got a couple, uh, but this one I, I really enjoy, and it feels very on-brand for me. He's pitching Philip Glass's uh, opera, Wimbledon 70-68, uh, which I <laughs> imagine is going to be in the, the style of the original trilogy, probably a little more Einstein on the beachy. Um, uh, this is the Isner-Mahut two, uh, 2010 match that went 70-68 to 68 in the fifth set Uh, and inspired the end of the tiebreaker. So it's going to be long. It's going to involve balls flying back and forth. I mean, we've got the director all ready to go straight off of Akhenaten, Phelan McDermott. He was already (laughs) juggling. This is the same thing. This is perfect. This is a great suggestion, Oliver. I can't believe that you came up with it and not me.
0: So good. I can see that design now. It's just, it's going to be tennis balls everywhere. These bright neon green (laughs) tennis
1: balls.
2: With some, with some like astroturf, but like all on the ceiling because you don't know. Up is down, left is right, right is wrong. That really was. Uh, Congratulations to Oliver. You're not here, but I will give you your flowers for this one. George, my dear George, what would be your suggestion for like a moment in sports history to become an opera? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but uh, surprise me.
0: It comes down to a single day, November 2nd, 2016. If you are the (laughs) Cubs fan that I am, that day is imprinted on your brain because that is the day that the Cubs won the World Series, beating the Cleveland, then Indians, Cleveland Indians in Cleveland to break the longest drought by any North American professional sports team from winning a title.
2: We you know that
0: so. Well. Here's here's what's important uh, about that game. So it was game seven. It was in Cleveland. The Cubs were up early. And just to to recap some of the names, which which you know our, our younger listeners might not know: Chris Bryant, Dexter Fowler, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobris, Bobby. David Ross, who's now the manager of the Cubs, Addison Russell, who I believe was then. Um, Sued and accused of uh, sexual assault, but we move on. The Cubs won in seventh games, and here's what's critical, is that in the middle of the ninth inning, there was a rain delay. Mm. There was a 17 minute rain delay. I had and about that. that is where game seven was won. In fact, Cubs president Theo Epstein famously said, "Right then, I thought, we are winning this game." Anthony Rizzo would say the rain delay was, quote, the most important thing to happen to the Chicago Cubs in the past 100
1: years. So are, <laughs> you, so, thinking like, are you thinking like a sort of like a ballet storm sequence in, for the rain delay? I am certainly not. So here's how this <laughs> opera is going to
0: work. First of all, this is going to be like the Ted Lasso telling of a sports story where we don't oh. actually see the sport played. Oh, all that oh often.
1: intriguing.
0: Okay. So we start in the locker room in the middle of the rain delay and each of the nine players on the baseball team gets their own aria to sing about a key play that has already happened in the game and led them up to this moment then we turn to joe madden the cubs manager who would go on to uh, manage the angels and i think is retired now joe madden has what we call the locker room aria and basically <laughs> brings the Cubs together, and maybe we end the opera there, or maybe we just see we maybe we just see the rain start to stop, and we just see the Cubs exit uh, the locker room, and we uh, know we don't need to uh, we don't need to see them. We we know what's going to happen. Now here's the other thing that's really important to me, is that I think that the casting of this opera would cut across gender and Fach and ethnicity. Of course, like this. So I don't think we need to have an all-male cast. I don't think we need to have ethnicities of all those same players. To the contrary, this is a show where I would love to see someone like Lucia Lucas in one of these critical roles, like a uh, an Anthony Rizzo, for example. Secondly, what we'd need would be a fantastic Joe Madden. You know, Phil Jackson from the 90s Bulls was that sort of like Zen-like coach. Joe Madden, if you look at his published game notes from the game, which I have up on my office wall, they are <laughs> very Zen. <laughs> I think we need a Zen countertenor. I think we need like an Ariane Nussbaum Cohen to play Ooh. Madden. Now, Madden, of course, was in his 60s and was like a, a silver fox. So we need a bit of makeup on that. Lastly, let's wrap it up with the creative team before I I throw it over to Weston, is I got to have Mark Campbell doing the libretto on this, the way with words, you know, the the, um, legendary Mark Campbell. And I thought Jennifer Higdon would be so good at composing this score. Again, to cut across questions of gender, but also, you know, her work in Brokeback Mountain, it's so human. And I think that's what we want to try and get to the heart at in this opera which is simply called Rain Delay.
1: Oh, I, it's beautiful, and and may I say, such a director's concept for an opera short. Such, such.
2: So, Weston, my friend, we've covered some basketball, we've covered some tennis, we've covered some baseball. What are you choosing for our conversation uh, I mean,
1: today? Uh, I, I think I could sum it up in two words. Um, oh mm, they're coming to me. They're on the tip of my tongue. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe a little, a little, a little roll. Yeah. perhaps a tide <laughs> is so annoying every That's time right
0: <laughs> it cannot st- it just makes me so angry Oh my
1: god. so when i was growing up um obviously i am from uh alabama uh this is so so obviously you know roll tide etc blah 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 we know we know this if you are in the south you know about the rivalry between auburn university and And uh, and Alabama University, Uh, this these are two titans. Uh, Usually one is more titan than the other, depending on the year you're talking about. Um, But uh, but these are this is the definitive college football rivalry. Uh, And I can say that because my my mother went to Bama for grad school. My father went to Ohio State. uh, So he was fully aware of the Michigan, Ohio thing. Believe me. With we know because of that connection, which one is more intense, and it is absolutely the Bama versus Auburn uh, oh, yeah. contest. Uh, and it just so happens that the very first uh, uh, football, ga- uh, Alabama versus Auburn football game before it became the Iron Bowl, the very first football game happened in 1893 uh, in February mere blocks from where I was born. There's a little... (laughs) It it, it is now a parking lot. There's a little sign up that says, you know, this is the site of the first uh, Auburn-Alabama football game. Unfortunately, Auburn did win that one. but We don't have to dwell on that one too much right now, 32 to 22, but, you know, what are you going (laughs) to do? But because of this, I happen to know just a little bit about the history of that first game, and I dug up the original newspaper article from the Daily News in Birmingham, uh, Uh, Which uh, became the Birmingham News later, which I think it might now be defunct. I'm not sure. Um, uh, From uh, from February 1893. And the way everything is described in this old late 19th century, old timey uh, sports language really just screams britain comedy to me benjamin britain comedy uh it is delightful every single like player who was notable has like a little blurb um talking about about them and how they contributed exactly it's how it's how they it's how they you know contributed to the form of football two words because this was 1892 (laughs) um and to give you a sense like nowadays you know the iron bowl is is huge these are basically pro pro players at this point they have tons of money this is just like slapdash there was a 16 year old kid playing there was a professor playing it was just a bunch of guys getting together playing football and having a good time and i think that there's really something inherent to like the uh the fact that this would become such a big huge rivalry but in when it started it was so bumbling and fun that just Benjamin Britton would be absolutely perfect. I wish he wasn't dead and also from the South. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read you a couple of characters. Dis- quote of the episode.
2: Quote of the episode. I wish he wasn't dead and also from the South. Uh,
1: this is um, this is a, uh, a, a quote to describe a couple of the Auburn players. Uh, Daniels, the captain, was simply a phenomenon. He played everywhere. He is a brilliant runner, tackler, and is very tricky. Uh, which is just a great way to describe a football player. Uh, They also had the professor on Auburn's team, which is probably how they won. McKissick, a professor, a big, powerful, good-natured fellow who, by his weight and hustling interfere- interference, greatly aided his team. From Bama, we have people like Ferguson, who caught the crowd by uh, by his hard playing. When he tackled Daniels and threw him, every woman, old and young, on the grounds who wore white and red, wanted to kiss him. Uh, he was... <laughs> That is a bear tenor role if ever I heard one. Yeah. No, right. uh, that is no no no, no Barra Tenor. excuse me, bear a hunk. What am I saying? We need a uh, we need a bear hunk here. We can get like a maybe a Nathan Gunn or something in there. I think he would be great. Uh, I think you could even get away with a Gerald Finley a la the uh that great uh Uh, 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 Albert Herring recording uh, of the studio recording with him. Uh, We also have another character, Pratt, who held the center well for a boy who was only 16 years old. Jeez. (laughs) I think, like, just like a little like boy soprano just sitting there, like, you know, having a good time. Again, a very Britain thing to do. And bear in mind, this is all going to be like great with like a Britain chorus, all male, you know, with with maybe a couple of uh, side uh, women characters. We also have Cope, a strong man who does magnificent work and his strength is Samson like. We can throw in a little Samson and Delilah quote in there. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Savage, who weighs only 156 pounds, is one of the strongest men on the team and he is the pet of the university. Everybody in Tuscaloosa loves Savage, which is a great one, too. I think we can get, like, a little reedy tenor to play him and just, like, do, like, feats of strength. We could get, like, a... What is Ian Bostridge doing nowadays? He's like the most sickly-looking little tenor. I think that'd be so funny. Uh, we also have Grazo, who is the Greyhound of the Eleven, and his tack- tackling is of the highest order. He is a Birmingham boy, and yesterday when he made a 30-yards gain and went down under the crowd and his arm was torn, everyone on the grounds admired his pluck and sympathized with him in his hurt. Jeez. Which is, uh, I mean, like, there's the drama. Like, there's so many, like, little bits you can, like, add to the story to like create this like humorous like little 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 character dramas happening there there's it's very human in the way it goes. There's even a little ceremony where Miss Delma Wilson presents the cup to the winners and I really get like big um, uh, uh, what's her name in an, an Albert Herring lady lady um, Lady Billows Lady Billows yes thank you yes. Uh, giving her her speech. Uh, She says gallant and victorious captain in the name of the city of Birmingham. I present you this cup drink from it and remember the victory that you have won this day. May you and your team live to see many more victories implying they might die. I love that. Um, And and the article that I have here ends with this, uh, this sentence, which I think we can include verbatim as the ending of the opera, a series of cheers, rent the air. And then the sun went down blotting out the day on which the greatest football game was ever played in Alabama, which wow. is just, wow. I mean, they don't write newspaper articles like <laughs> no. this anymore. This feels like a libretto that is just screaming out for a talented uh, comedic opera composer to put it together with a great librettist and just make, make like just an absolutely killer classic opera.
0: Well, it's all very positive, Weston, yes. which is not exactly what Oliver's serious idea
1: Oh, well, interesting.
0: Oliver's serious idea was a Janacek-style opera about Monica Seles, the tennis champ of the oh. early 90s. You might recall a deranged German fan of of Steffi Graf of all people basically derailed the career of what would yeah. have been one of the greatest careers in the sport when this fan stabbed Seles in the shoulder. Oh my god. On court. Oh yep. In the God. Hamburg Open in 1993. I remember this.
2: I Yeah, I do too. I watched it on television.
0: Crazy. Oliver wild. says the opera would be, of course, in German and English and Slovenian and would include Celis's <laughs> triumphant post-trauma win at the 96 Australian Open. He goes on to say Monica Sellis would be sung by friend of the show, Isabel Leonard. Good choice. And Steffi Graf sung by Kate Lindsay. Oh,
1: great choice. Those I would are... watch the heck out of that. <laughs>
2: All I'm saying is composers, take note. We are just handing out ideas left, right, and center here here for storytelling. These are so good. and because more is more, and because I had one more, what I think is excellent idea, I'm going to close this out with my other favorite idea for an opera, which would be the Olympic skating scandal at the 2002 Winter Olympics. Now, for those of you who might not remember, that was the first year that they incorporated the new scoring system for pairs skating on the 6.0 scale, and the judging between the artistic and the technical was a little bit different, and there was a little bit of a dust-up, and two pairs ended up walking away with gold medals after a lot, a lot, a lot of ruckus. Basically... I am biased, but here's what I'll tell you. The Canadians skated brilliantly. They skated on their home turf. They should have won the gold medal outright because of the way the scoring was and because the French love chaos and the French judge (laughs) ensued chaos. Uh, She scored in such a way that allowed the Russian pair, who absolutely made a blunder, to walk away initially with the gold medal. Cue dust up, cue ruckus. Uh, And then eventually the IOC came together and said, well, you know what? We're just going to give it to both of them. And then the French judge... Got into some trouble, but in my opinion, not enough. Uh, So the Canadian Pairs skating team of Saleh and Pelletier... I would like to see them played by, again, friend of the show, Isabel Leonard, and aforementioned Nathan Gunn, because they're just pretty, they're handsome, and I think they would be beautiful and lyrical <laughs> on stage. Lovely. And because the Russians are basically the villains of this story, the Russian skating pair, let's just go ahead and do it. It's going to be on an
0: attempt when you say Vazov. <laughs> we're
2: just, we're just going to do it. Oh, I and
0: I want some central girl. casting. <laughs> and
2: I want to see this story told from the perspective of the friend. French judge who started all of the chaos to begin with. And I want that in the style of Ravel. And I want that French judge played by Natalie Dessay.
0: <laughs> yes. Lovely. She will smoke
2: on if- stage.
0: Yes. Yeah. I love it. still alive he'd do it right so much of his music has been co-opted by figure skaters anyway at this point like have you (laughs) seen bolero on ice recently i know you have
2: uh yes you absolutely have but at any point uh guys this has been a really fun segment i think we need to make this you know, well, first of all, this is definitely a sportsondo, but I think we need to bring this back periodically because honestly, we're brilliant composers. Take note, you just got <laughs> six or seven ideas for for your new opera project here. You're welcome. Just invite us to the premiere.
0: Call and me John if you're Adams. listening, you can of course send us a voice memo with your own ideas, your own opera sports combo. You can email us your hot takes to operaboxscore@gmail.com. You're gonna get that OBS beer coaster and the OBS lapel pin just for sharing your own hot take.
2: For singers between 21 and 25 years old, get ready for the Giulio Gari Vocal Competition coming up in early May. Now in its 20th year, the foundation has given over $650,000 to many opera future stars. Past winners include Michelle Bradley, Janae Bridges, and Norman Garrett. You can apply on yaptracker.com or just visit GiulioGari.org through the end of April. G-I-U-L-I-O-G-A-R-I dot org. This just in, the two-minute
1: drill.
0: All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in opera land
1: this week. The Bolshoi has dropped a ballet about famed dancer Rudolf Nureyev following an expansion of the Russian government's ban on LGBT propaganda their words, not mine, from last November. Nureyev's relationships with men, depicted by choreographer Kirill Sabrenikov, are considered illegal, quote, demonstrations of homosexual behavior. Sabrennikov has also spoken out against the war in Ukraine.
2: Ladies night! For the first (laughs) time in its history, the BBC prom season will be open and closed by female conductors as the festival moves towards gender equality. The opening and closing nights will be led by Dalia Stasevska and Marin Alsop, respectively, two of 10 women conducting concerts this year, three of them making their proms debut. We're moving in the right direction towards equitable representation, said the proms director David Picard, but it's a slow process.
0: The Santa Fe Opera has installed over 400 solar panels, which will offset half of the opera's daytime energy use. General Director Robert K. Maya said, with over 320 days of sunshine a year, Santa Fe is the ideal place to harness the power of the sun. (laughs) Transitioning to solar power aids the long-term financial health of the organization and helps to preserve both the art form and our beautiful setting for generations to come.
1: The Metropolitan Opera Eric and Dominique Lafont winners have been announced, and they are all American. We have tenor Anthony Leon, Mezzo's Natalie Lewis and Sarah Saturnino, Sopranos Teresa Perota and Meredith Wolgamuth, and bass baritone Christian Simmons. Each will receive a $20,000 prize. Other finalists who will receive $10,000 each are Cuban baritone Eliomar Coelho, Chinese tenor Yun Tong Han, and American Sahel Salam tenor and David Wolf, baritone.
2: The Met has also named bass baritone Ryan Speedo Green the winner of the 2023 Beverly Sills Artist Award for the second time. The $50,000 award, which was established in 2006, recognizes singers with rising Met careers, said Green. Ms. Sill's infectious vitality and legacy of arts advocacy continues to radiate through the hallowed halls of the Met and beyond, and I look forward to standing in the glow of that heritage.
0: Lizette Oropesa has won the Franco Abbiati Award in the category of Best Female Singer. According to her Facebook page, she did not mention who, if anyone, was the best male singer, and we can't find the list of winners anywhere on the <laughs> infrawebs as of our show taping, so thanks, Lizette, but congratulations anyway.
1: LA Opera has announced the 2023 recipients of the $50,000 Ava and Mark Stern Artist Award, which will be split between Colombian conductor Lina Gonzalez Coronados and bass baritone Nicholas Brownlee.
2: Nina Stemme has been appointed honorary member of the Vienna State Opera. She has done 16 major roles such as Brünnhilde, Isolde, Minnie, Tosca, Elektra, Ferberin, and Leonore in over 140 performances at the State Opera since her first performance with the House in 2003.
0: In trade news, Detroit Opera President and CEO Wayne S. Brown is stepping down from his position after nine years. Quote, it's time, said Brown, this marks my 50th year in the business. I'm." pleased to observe that the forward-thinking, inclusive, risk-taking approach of Detroit opera is becoming a model for other opera companies in the U.S. The company is actively searching for Brown's replacement.
1: New York's on-site opera announced Piper Gunnerson as its next general director and CEO. Gunnarsson is being promoted from within as she was actually the first full-time hire made by the company way back in 2012. Said Gunnerson, quote, It has been such a privilege to lead on-site's administrative growth for the past six years. We are in an excellent position to continue innovating the art form with our site-specific opera productions and to explore new programming possibilities.
2: On the disabled list, Due to a family emergency, Lucille Richardot will be unable to perform in Boston Early Music Festival's production of Desmarais' Circe. Taking her place will be three-time Grammy nominee Karina Govan.
0: Exit stage right, Russian-American bass and teacher Nikita Storoyev, who has died at the age of 73. Storoyev had served as principal soloist for the Bolshoi Theater and the Moscow Philharmonic Society with a repertoire of more than 50 roles. He performed in major houses all over the world, eventually joining the faculty at the University of Texas.
1: Andreas K.W. Meyer, music critic, dramaturg, and former opera director at Théâtre Bonn, has died. He served as dramaturg at Kiel Opera from 93 to 2003 and as chief Chief dramaturg at Deutsche Oper Berlin from 2004 to 2012. Meyer specialized in the revival of early 20th century works and won a 2008 Critics' survey by Openwelt magazine for his rediscovery of a Walter Braunfels opera.
2: And on this day, April 24th, it is a first performance palooza. You ready kids, buckle up. (laughs) In 1819, it was the first performance of Rossini's Eduardo, which was later known as Eduardo e Cristina in Venice. 1847 brought us the first performance of Offenbach's L'Alcove in Paris. 1854 was the birth of Austrian baritone tenor Adolf Wallnofer in Vienna. In 1860, it was the first performance of Hernando's El Tambor, a zarzuela, over in Madrid. 1869 brought us the first performance of Delibé's La Coupe du Roy Pateau in Paris. 1886, it was the birth of American coloratura soprano Mabel Garrison. I love that name, Mabel. I'm glad it's making a comeback. 1909, <laughs> it's the birth of Swedish soprano Jorda Schimberg. 1918 brought us the birth of Swedish soprano Astrid Varney. And in 1934, uh, Lawrence Hammond patented a little. Thing called an electric organ and slapped his name Ooh. on it. 1944, it was the birth of Irish soprano Norma Burroughs. Happy birthday in 1964 to American composer Augusta Reed Thomas. And we had a slew of first performances. Here we go. In 1976, it was the first performance of Argento's The Voyage of Edgar Allan Poe. 1981, it was the first performance of Carlisle Floyd's Willie Stark. 1985, another Argento, Casanova's Homecoming. And in 1997, It was the first performance of Stephen Paulus's opera, The Three Hermits.
0: Phew! And that is your two-minute drill.
1: was a clip uh, scientifically designed to make Oliver angry, because um, <laughs> we could have picked something from Astrid Varney, we could have done something from the Carlisle Floyd opera, we could have done all sorts of things, but instead we decided to see, we, we asked ourselves, has the Hammond organ ever, ever featured in an opera? We did a quick little Google, <laughs> couldn't find the answer, but we did find this guy named Mike Reed playing this particularly groovy cover of George Gershwin's Summertime from the opera Porgy and Bess on his Hammond organ, which is why we chose it. It is a delightful, I love a good Hammond organ. They're such a unique sounding instrument. I do think that that, uh, they've shown up in a couple of stuff, things by Schnitka, but not operas. um, (laughs) Or at least whatever the Soviet equivalent of a Hammond organ is. Um, Yeah, I love it. It's It's a 10 out of 10 instrument.
2: Hammonds are a good time. They're, um... You know that you're right. They do have such a distinct sound, and I am. Um, my stepfather uh, is an instrument salesman and has a, a few Hammonds, and also has something called a Leslie, which is an attachment, a spinning attachment that goes oh, with yeah. the Hammond. Mm. And man, there's nothing like a Hammond that's wah, got wah, a Leslie wah, wah, on it. Wah, wah, that wah, is wah, a wah, wah, wah. that is a Saturday night, man. It is good. If times. it had been
0: called a Mabel, it would be like perfect for you.
2: Yeah, get my buddy <laughs> Mabel. Get the Leslie on. Rock and roll.
0: You know, the Santa Fe Opera is one of America's most important opera houses. It's, it's the premier summer opera d- destination, certainly. And, of course, with over 320 days of sunshine, or I guess that's like 45 days of cloud, it seems <laughs> only <laughs> right that it's going to invest in solar panels, 400 solar panels to be precise. Although that only offsets half of the opera's daytime energy, which I found rather surprising. I, I guess, you know, when you're light running so many lighting instruments, it just sucks up juice.
1: Well, I yeah, it does. It, it, it's true. And this is, you know, this is something that, you know, uh, is an important thing to be aware of, I think, with, uh, you know, a lot of renewable energy is that... Um, solar panels are really confined to the daytime because you can't really store that amount of energy efficiently Mm -hmm, Um, uh, at least not yet there's definitely you know programs out there to figure out batteries that can store that much and make it a little bit more useful Um, but i think this is a great start because santa fe is such a great candidate for renewable energy out there in the middle of the desert you know they're already doing a lot of stuff to sort of um offset their water use they have they capture rain when it happens to use on stage Um, they're very conscientious about that and you know it's, it's such a beautiful location and you, you're you very aware of the um, fragility of nature out there. And I, I think it's a great example for arts organizations to imitate if they're able, if they have the ability to do renewable energy. That is the way of the future and it, it needs to be the way of the future right now. So uh, I applaud them. I think it's General great. General
0: Director Robert K. Maya says it's the ideal place to Harness the power of the sun. The of I thought was sun. like a line from the magic flute, but. <laughs>
1: it kind of sounds I mean, like a super villain honestly i mean it
2: is true you know our our energy system and the grids that we that we currently have for these sorts of things are super fragile you know what else is fragile russia's freaking ego when it comes to <laughs> art i am so so sick of all things russia you can quote me on that uh yeah this this whole thing about canceling the Nureyev ballet like it's it's unsurprising but it's still holy wholly disappointing and i know yeah. it's not necessarily the bolshoi's choice i know that this comes from higher than the bolshoi but like i here's the deal we like, arts are gay, okay? Like, arts are a little bit gay. Like, uh, uh, everything in the arts is a little bit gay. And that's what makes them great. Uh, and guess what? Ballet, real freaking gay. And so, like, why would you even think about producing a ballet about a famed dancer in Russia if you knew this legislation was there and they were going to call it propaganda? Anyway, Russia, you're, you're on my list. You're on my list again. You can't well, seem I, to get I, off of it. I,
1: I will say this this ballet actually premiered uh, or was set to premiere, I, I forget which one, in 2017. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I believe it did go on then. And there was, you know, a lot of uh, anti LGBT legislation out there. Um, But uh, in November, they expanded what that covered to, you know, because before it was kind of in a gray area legally. And now it's in a definitely no area. And especially when you combine that with the fact that Serebrennikov uh, is has spoken out against the war and has gotten under Putin's skin before. Uh, And the fact that the Bolshoi is like, you know, Putin will just like walk into the Bolshoi, you know what I (laughs) just be like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, Yeah. it's uh, so like, you know, they're they're under a lot of pressure to uh, to get rid of this. But like, you know, it is, you know, erasing history. It is. er Honestly, this is a great concept for a ballet. I mean, I, I am I am much more of an opera person than a ballet person. I'm trying to become a ballet person. Um, but this is like the best hook for a new ballet that I've heard in years, and, and uh, you uh,
0: know, well, choreographer Kirill Sivernikov, of course, the director choreographer who was under house arrest,
1: yes, yes, yes,
0: some years ago in Russia as well. Uh, David Pickard at the BBC Prom says, "quote We're moving in the right direction towards equitable representation." Of course, he's talking about hiring more uh female conductors at least in this example but it's a slow process i, I don't know why it has to be that slow right so we have <laughs> just women go for it conducting the opening and closing nights two of ten women conducting concerts three with proms debuts but it's like what are you saying by it's too slow Is like you can't find good artists <laughs> who are women <laughs> They, i, mean, I don't they think that's what he's can. saying at all
2: <laughs> I, I think we all beg to freaking differ. We all know of a number of good conductors. There's uh, Marin Alsop's incredible, but she's certainly not the only one that's out there. Yeah. I think you know the way I interpreted that comment from him was that there is a culture that I think all of us are unspokenly aware of that it is it is always a little bit revolutionary when you put a woman on the podium. I don't think yeah. he's necessarily trying to slow the tide. I think it's just, uh, it's to quote Weston, it's it's rolling in at its own pace.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> A couple of things in trade news before we wrap up the drill uh Wayne S Brown CEO at uh Detroit Opera moving on of course he had started his career at the University of Michigan where he graduated then he went to the Detroit Symphony Orchestra so he really has kind of done like the Detroit rounds and his impact definitely felt uh, of course uh, in the post David DeCara era Dekira the founder and um GD at Detroit Opera for years and years and years.
1: I think the wild part about this story for me is the fact that the uh, I forget which Detroit newspaper broke this news. Uh, but Detroit they,
0: Free Press, the Freep.
1: They they, they <laughs> broke the news when they found that he he had put out basically his resume. You know, like he's you've been in the business for fifty years uh, or more at this point. You can just retire. It's okay. You don't need another <laughs> job. You, you can just relax now. You did it. You've earned a rest. <laughs>
0: He's like, Little Caesars needs a night manager.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. I mean, I I feel like when you're running an opera company like that for that long, and it been an arts administration for that long, you just have like a certain something in you that just like, I need to be working like all the time, you know, but uh, I I hope he retires at some point and rests on his laurels because I think he probably deserves it at this point.
0: Well, Piper Gunnarsson, no rest for her. Certainly, she was the first <laughs> full-time hire at on-site opera in New York City back in 2012. And now she'll be the next general director. Of course, Eric Einhorn had been general director and artistic director. He's retiring from all of that. So Piper's over to GD. A new artistic director will be coming in. Typically, at big houses, I am very much against hiring from within and the nepotism that breeds that and the lack of uh, programming that I think is a result of that. These sorts of companies at this level, and I don't mean artistic level, but financial level, this is where that sort of institutional knowledge actually pays off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I
0: think this is actually a really smart move where you want to have that continuity.
1: Agreed i completely agree and we should get her on the show because eric einhorn is a friend of the show uh but now we got to get uh we got to collect them all you know <laughs> collect all of the uh the we have, general a, punch directors. We have <laughs> a
2: punch card we get a free one after that
0: let's wrap this show up
1: good call bad call on opera box school good
0: call bad call we're gonna wrap it up for the week starting with weston
1: williams I have been listening to uh, an album that just came out. Uh, I, I've, I've said before, I'm not a huge, you know, singer's album guy. I'm, I have my favorites, of course. I, I tend to be much more of a listening to the opera in its full context kind of person with a few exceptions for specific groups I really enjoy. But this is what, this is a, an album that just came out from Michael Spires uh, called Contra Tenor. Uh, with Il Pomodoro, which is a, also a, a great group um, on the Arato label. And this is a great recording. It is so much fun. And Spire's just showing off his... Incredible range with this sort of uh, uh, 18th century repertoire, lots of fast coloratura runs jumping all over the place. Like, m- man, I wish I had this guy's range, uh, but I've really, really, really been enjoying it. And it's not the kind of uh, album I would ordinarily, you know, um, pick up. But this is this is one that I I really have to recommend because it uh, it is one of those few singer albums that I'm really, really into. Ashley Hardgrave.
2: I am a bit of a news junkie, Uh, so listen, It's going to be old news by the time this comes out, but right now we are living in a moment where this is the first day that this has happened. Today was absolutely bonkers in the news world. Uh, On the heels of the Dominion outcome settlement, it turns out that the great replacement theory that Fox News is always squawking about apparently only applies to their cash cow anchors, (laughs) because today is the day that Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox News. And on the heels of that, Don Lemon was somehow unceremoniously also fired from CNN, on top of that, one of the head execs over at NBC News is out for an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate. It is a crazy time to be in news. My brain is spinning. I have not had time to even celebrate the downfall of Schmucker Schmarlson, but man. Just let today be the day that we knew that there was a day that he would lose his job.
0: That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Send us a voice memo or email us your hot takes, operaboxscore at gmail.com. And find links to stuff we've talked about at our website, score. And hey, that's also where you can put your money, where our mouths are, give back to the OBS on our donut
1: page.
0: Or donut page? Donate page. Give us a donut donut at our
1: donate page.
0: It's just like Reese in Woodridge, Illinois, who donated earlier this month. Your announcer is Norm Waddell. Your creative consultant is Oliver Camacho. And your audio editor is Weston Williams. For co-host Ashley Hardgrave, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera during a clutch rain delay. We're off next week for the annual OBS office retreat and team building exercises. Yikes. (laughs) But we are back on Thursday, May 4th with an all new show. Plus you get more opera headlines, more hot takes and more solar panels. Join us.